We're glad you've joined us today for Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series called Holy Spirit in Me, Our Relationship Unleashed. And today we're going to listen to the first part of a message focused on seeing that relationship unleashed in our lives. Let's go to God's Word. This is going to be a bit of a unique sermon this morning. That's the final message uh, in our series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit in me, our relationship unleashed. We've talked about the Spirit as a person, uh, the person of the Spirit, and how do we relate to uh, God the Spirit. You know, as we conclude, and today is a bit of a summary, but it's really meant to be more than just a summary. I want to give a practical relational guide for your relationship with the Spirit of the living God. And we're going to look at four aspects of that relationship, and I'm going to give you four key words for future use as you grow in your understanding of the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit works in conjunction with the Father and the Son Uh, as we see in Scripture. Now, I want to say this. I'm glad you have your Bible. And just hover in the book of Acts for a little while. Uh, But most of today is going to be a lot of verses up on the screen. Because I realized if I had us look up every verse, we'd be here till 2 o'clock. It's going to be a lot of high-paced, fast-paced. You ever been in that last class before the end of the semester and the professor realizes there are like 40 topics getting in touch with? He's like, buckle in. Here we go. Bingo, bingo, bingo. Um, Here we go. Um, It's going to be not quite that fast, uh, but a lot of uh, important things coming quickly. And as I look at my own life, I was thinking about that this morning. Sometimes it's not until later in your life or after a period of time that you actually really begin to see the fingerprint of the Holy Spirit in your life. And as I think about my life and here being here today, I'm sure you could tell your own story, but I remember a specific time in my life, I was 11 years old, all I wanted to do with my life was to play baseball. That was my thing. I was going to be a great baseball player. I slept baseball, ate baseball, breathed baseball. And then I went on a missions trip with my dad. My dad was a pastor, and he went with a doctor and her husband over to the middle of Africa. And I went on that trip as an 11-year-old, and my eyes were open, to put it mildly, to an entirely different part of the world and of living and all that goes with it. And I don't know exactly why uh, what happened next happened. I don't really know if it was connected to that trip or not, but I remember when I came back, and within a few weeks... I began to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and the conviction of the Holy Spirit in particular in a way that I had never had. And even to this day, I don't know that I have it quite that clearly. But for a period of a few years, I was under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the sense of this is right, this is wrong, go here, do this, don't talk to your mom that way, go back and apologize. I've never sensed the presence of the Spirit so strong in my life as I did during that time, although maybe it's just continued and and, and matured. But that punctuated period of time completely changed who I was. I wouldn't be standing here. I'd I'd probably be still trying to make life in baseball if it hadn't been for that time. That time shifted my, my perspective on the holiness of a living God. It, it changed my perspective and on my relationships. It changed my perspective on the future. It changed my perspective on my goals. And as I look back on that period of time and how God began to give me a heart 
uh, for a nation that's wandering from him. And then began to open my eyes. I mean, I, I was a preacher's kid. I wanted nothing to do with preaching. I figured that's what my brothers were for, you know. Um, and how God changed my heart in varying ways uh, to put me where I'm standing here because nothing less than a work of God's Spirit. And I want to tell you, um, God's Spirit changes people. Not only does he play a critical role in our understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ in embracing salvation in Jesus Christ, he then becomes the seal of our salvation. But the Spirit is, as Paul would say, live by the Spirit, also walk by the Spirit, or keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit is the primary part of the Trinity that walks us through our development as a believer so that we can live to the glory of Jesus Christ. And if you don't understand the ministry of the Spirit, your understanding of the gospel will be limited, your understanding of Scripture will be hindered greatly. And your walk with Christ will probably meander and wander and why is it not getting anywhere? And I think you'll see that in the text today. But my heart for you today is to open your heart to the ministry of the Holy Spirit and whatever he wants to do in your life. If you're not willing to be open to the Spirit, I pity you. Because someday you will go into eternity, as will I, only to realize that God had so many great things he wanted to do through your life that you never saw. And you won't celebrate through all eternity. And yet, if we open our hearts to the Spirit and what the Spirit would do, well, history is littered with examples of how God's grace came into someone's life, how the Spirit began to work in their life, and God changed not only them, but often pockets of the world as a result. That's the story of the apostles. 11 really ordinary men who were filled with the Spirit and changed the world. Let's go to God's Word here. Let's uh, look. I want to give you four words and four aspects of your relationship with the Spirit. I trust that this will kind of bring together a sense of who is the Spirit and what is He doing and how do I understand all these sermons I've been hearing and put this together in some sort of understandable. That's my heart for you today. Here's, Here's the first question you have to ask, though. Who is the Holy Spirit? If you don't know who he is, you're not going to understand how to relate to him. That's why scripture, in scripture, Jesus was very clear with his apostles. Here's who the Holy Spirit is. He's God. He's the third person of the Trinity. I could preach for months on the ministry of the Spirit. And, but here's what I want to focus on today and what has been the focus of this message and perhaps the most misunderstood or least understood a part of the ministry of the Spirit. And that is the functional aspect of our relationship with the Spirit. As I said, when you think of the first person of the Trinity, um, we understand him functionally to be a, a father, our heavenly father. As we think about Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, we think of him in a functionally relational way as our, as our Savior. But what about the Holy Spirit? How do we relate to him? What is he to us? He is as, well, let's look right in the text. John chapter 14, 26, you'll see this on the screen. I love that Jesus defines it for us. He says, but the helper, the same word could be used, uh, advocate, um, counselor, 
Uh, counsel is in the sense of like an attorney or someone that would give you very critical advice and help you walk through things. Uh, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. He is the helper. He's a guide. He's a teacher in truth. Very interesting little subnote. Not only is he the spirit of truth, we think of truth, truth, truth in the spirit. But Hebrews 10, 29 calls him the spirit of grace. And in, just as we see in Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth, we see in the Holy Spirit, again, grace and truth. Why don't you jot this down? The spirit is my helper. The spirit is my helper. Maybe you're asking, well, the spirit is meant to be my helper and give me blessing and bless my life, but how? How do I understand the general categories of who the Spirit is? I want to read something that Wayne Grudem said. I thought this was great. He gave a couple categories, five categories. It says, in what specific ways does the Holy Spirit bring God's blessing? Well, here's five areas. First, the Holy Spirit empowers. He enables us to do what we can't do on our own, and many of us don't even realize what we can't do on our own because we don't rely on the Spirit's power. But we can Second, the Holy Spirit purifies, I love it, the Holy Spirit. It always cracks me up when I hear somebody say, oh, the Holy Spirit told me to do that. I bet that's wrong. But the Holy Spirit told me to do it. The Holy Spirit told you to do that? No, the Spirit comes to bring us to purity. He comes to bring the church to purity, not to be stuck in the ways of the world, but to come and to be more like Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit purifies. Here's a a third aspect of the ministry of the Spirit bringing blessing, that the Spirit reveals. The Spirit reveals. Much could be said there. Number four, the Holy Spirit unifies. When I think about how at times the church itself is so dysfunctional, and I'm, I'm not talking about any church in particular, I'm just talking about the church throughout history. And yet the Spirit of God has kept the church focused and unified And someday when Jesus Christ comes, there's going to be a bride waiting for him because of the Spirit who has unified the church and brought the people of God together. Here's the final aspect he mentions, which I thought is interesting. He said, the Holy Spirit gives stronger or weaker evidence of the presence and blessing of God according to our response to him. Now he goes into a more explanation on that, but I think that's a very telling thing for us to think about today. The blessing and the presence of the Spirit will or won't be evident in your life, will or won't be as evident in our church. The question is whether we will respond to what God's Word says about the Spirit or whether we pull back and try to do life in the flesh or do life our own way or try to any number of things. Here's the question I would ask for us today. Do we see our need for help? You can talk about the helper until we're all blue in the face or whatever color you want to pick off my sermon notes here. The question is, will we see our need for help? And then if we see it, the question is, will we accept the help? Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church in Columbus. You know, I pray that as you listen to Meeting with God daily, you are growing in your passion to follow Jesus Christ. But you know, following Jesus is more than just listening to sermons. It's about serving Him with our gifts and abilities. 
Hey, can I encourage you to think about what would be the next step of faith in serving Christ in your church or your community? And you know, if you don't have a church, let me invite you to visit our church family at 1290 Old Henderson Road in Columbus. My wife told me a great story about my little guy, Micah. Micah wanted to ride his bike around our block. And Jensine told him, well, um, you can't do that. You can't go around the block by yourself because someone could take you. And he, a uh, bright child that he is, uh, responded and said, Mom, uh, no one would take me. They don't even know my name. Um, and then he added a little subnote, and I can ride faster than them anyways. And um, love his confidence, um, but he needs a little bit of help, a little bit of help. Now, the question for us is, as adults, as believers... Will we look to the Spirit for the help and for the counsel, for the advocate that He is, and allow Him to work in our lives? That's a question we need to think about. Here's the first of the four words I want to give you. I'm going to start with let's be. Let's go positive here. Let's be dependent. Let's be dependent. Okay, the Spirit's going to help, but if we're never asking for help, if we're never accepting help, we're never reaching out for help, um, you're probably not going to get as much help. Won't God just know and do it? God often works in response to prayer. God responds based on our willingness to allow. I I heard somebody say the Spirit's a bit of a gentleman. He's not going to force his way into our lives. Um, He's going to be willing to help at any time, but we have to open ourselves up. If we're we're being proud or being um, self-sufficient, if we're pushing him away and grieving him, um, it won't happen. We need it. Let's be dependent, aware of our need for help, actively pursuing help. Well, let me look at the three remaining points here coming up are related to the ways that he helps us and how we can look to him for help. Here's the first one, helping in your life. Helping in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to help you in each of these ways. The question is, Will you know it's coming, and will you be ready, and will you be open? Ephesians 5, uh, 18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. It's a a present in the um, grammar. It's a continuous, ongoing thing. Be continuously filled. It's a passive. It's something that the Spirit does. It's an imperative. Uh, God's not asking if you'd like to be. He's telling us to be filled. Now, you're like, a pastor filled with what? Like, what is he, he going to do? Well, filled with truth is a great one. I always love to think about the fact that uh, the Spirit himself inspired the Bible that's in your hands. I'm not sure if he inspired your iPad. That would be a different discussion. Um, he inspired the Word of God. Uh, be filled with power. The Holy Spirit's not a circus act. He can do great things. He heals people. I remember somebody recently telling me a story of how God did a miracle in his mom's life, a complete miracle. And God healed. But many times the power that we feel is the unusual capacity in a communicate to a, a person, to share the, our faith, to be weak and unable to, um, I, I can't even do what God's telling me. God can't, I can't love that person the way God wants me to. I can't forgive that person. I need, I need power. And God will supply that by his spirit. 
filled with power, filled with the activity of the Spirit, reaching out, filled with the control of the Spirit, not getting lost and falling into ditches all the time in sin, and, um, but controlled by the Spirit. I used the example a couple of weeks ago of a balloon. Uh, Wayne Grudem uses this. He uses the example of a balloon, and some of us ask, well, how filled can I be? Like, because once I'm full, how can I be more full? Because I was already full. I think I'm already full. But he uses the example not of a glass, which can only have so much in it, but he uses the example of a balloon, where I can blow in a balloon for a little while, and it's full, just this big. But I could blow in it again, and it would be full again, and it would be this big. And then it would be full again when it's this big. Well, that's where the analogy stops, because if I blow any more, it won't be full anymore, will it? But imagine a balloon that had infinite capacity. That's the sense of being filled with the Spirit. And I can tell you of many people I've known who throughout time, uh, God began to work in there a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more. And as they responded to the ministry of the Holy Spirit and were filled more and more and more, by the time they come to latter seasons of their lives, their lives are just filled with the sweetness of the Spirit and the ministry of the Spirit. That's what it means to be filled. Now, you might be asking, well, Pastor, you said it, it's passive. So I'm supposed to be filled, but I'm not doing the work. How does that work? Why don't you make a note of this? We need to be being filled, be being filled with the Spirit. Now, what is that all about? One thought here, it's surrender, surrender, active surrender to the Spirit. Listen, we need to give the Spirit of God full access to every area of our lives, have you? Does the Spirit have the ability to work in any area of your life, or do you have a sense to which that area, Sunday is God's, But Saturday is mine. My marriage, God can do anything there. My relationship with some other family, not so much. Do I give the Spirit of God full access in every area of my life? Listen, active surrender leads us to, here's the second thing to jot down, manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. Ephesians 5 said to not get drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. However, in Galatians 5, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I'm going to say this. The fruit of the Spirit demonstrates the presence of God in your life. You know, you think about a crime-solving mystery. How many of you like, like those crime-solving mysteries? Like, Sherlock Holmes is like totally your dude. Like, you love that. Now, what are, what are those detectives always looking for? Evidence. And we usually think of evidence as a, like a smoking gun, right? I want to find the smoking gun, so to speak. I want, I want hard evidence that that is the person, they did it then, and build off that. Here's, and let's flip that around. Okay, enough with the smoking gun. Is there evidence in your life of the ministry of the Spirit at work? Is there? If someone who knew you and knows you well, would they say that person clearly evidences the Spirit? Now, they make mistakes, but they repent, they get back, and they have such an, a sweetness, a love, a kindness, a gentleness, a self-control. Is that evidence bearing fruit in your life for the glory of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're like me, we talk about evidence of the Spirit in our words, in our actions, in our love, our joy, our peace, our patience. Um, I think we could all say together a little bit of a, "Mm, ouch, ouch. Yeah, my 
My life doesn't clearly reflect patience all the time. Um, my love is a little weak. My joy is not always, I'm not always filled with joy in the spirit. I need help. I need help. Well, I want you to know that the advocate, the counselor, the helper is here to help us, uh, not just at church, but every moment of every day as we reach out to him. He's there to be with us. Jesus did not leave us alone, but sent the Spirit to be with us in every way. We simply need to ask for help. God wants to turn our fear to peace, our hatred to love, our harshness to kindness. Maybe you're saying, how, Pastor? How? Let me give you an equation here. I think this will help. Surrender plus asking equals, here's the word, moldable, moldable. That's my heart for us. More importantly, that's God's heart for us. Let's be moldable. Have you ever heard that song, the simple song that says, Spirit, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. At the end, the song says, mold me, mold me. And can you say that you're allowing the Spirit at this very time to mold you? Are you saying that on Tuesday morning, Spirit, mold me, make me into that person that that gives glory to Jesus Christ at every time, in my strong times, when when I've been in the Word and I'm prayed up, in that time where I'm tired, when the baby was up all night and I'm exhausted and I have to go full speed into another day and I have no energy for that, Spirit, mold me, mold me. Melt me, mold me. And I'm telling you, if that's the cry of your heart, listen, I'm not what I need to be, but I have access to the helper. The helper will mold me, will mold me if I'm willing to be molded, if I'm willing to. If I'm willing to surrender, surrender me, my ways, my pride, my spirit mold me. I want to ask you a question. What do you think would happen in your life if for just the next year, the next 12 months, if you gave unlimited access to the Holy Spirit, to mold your life. I'm talking intentionally. Every day, Spirit, mold me. Spirit, work in that love that's lacking. Spirit, work in that joy that seems so absent. Work in that patience problem. I, I just can't seem to be with that one person. Spirit, mold me. And I'm telling you, if we would humble ourselves as a church, as individuals in our church, and began to say, Spirit, mold me, I'm telling you, we wouldn't recognize ourselves in some ways next year. And it would be awesome. I wouldn't recognize myself. When I'm saying this, I'm seeing in my own life the areas that I need the Spirit to mold and to make me into the person He wants me to be. Oh, that God would unleash a church filled with moldable people. We talked about the Spirit as your helper, the Spirit as helping in your life. Let's look at number three here, the Spirit in your relationship. The Spirit in your relationship By that I mean the relationship between you and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go through these quickly. We studied these two weeks ago, and actually over the last couple of weeks. Here's the first one, three keys to relationship with the Holy Spirit. First, being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We need to be led by the Spirit. Then, We need to put our mind on the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, 5 and 6 says, 
For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Then, uh, finally, remove dysfunction. And I looked at a couple of different verses. for Thessalonians 5, do not quench the Spirit. Ephesians 4.30, and do not grieve the Spirit. Quenching the Spirit is stopping what the Spirit is trying to do. Grieving the Spirit is doing things that hurt and break the heart of God, the Spirit. Acts 7 talks about resisting the Spirit. When I want to give God the stiff arm, we need to remove dysfunction. Let me give you a key aspect of your relationship with the Spirit. It's interesting that in Revelation, as Jesus is talking to the various churches through the Apostle John, letter after letter after letter, Jesus gives these words, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again and again. I want to tell you, if you want to grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, you need to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. Vertical Church exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission and the spirit of the Great Commandment by making disciples of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus and currently do not have a church home, we would love to invite you to worship with us. Our worship services meet at our church home at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Our church family is warm, loving, and would be so happy to meet you. If you currently do not have a place to worship this weekend, would you join us? As always, thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week for your Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.